This week's episode is sponsored by A Blossom of Bright Light by Suzanne Chasen. This is the latest Jimmy Vega mystery from the award-winning author. Latino police detective Jimmy Vega must strike a precarious balance between the local immigrant community and his hometown's most powerful and privileged citizens during a dangerous murder investigation. Full of hidden secrets, racial tensions, and unexpected tragedies, A Blossom of Bright Light is the mystery you can't miss. It's available now wherever books are sold. You can read the first chapter of A Blossom of Bright Light and more at kensingtonbooks.com. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 26, and today we're talking about books released on November 3rd, 2015. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well-redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. And next week, we're going to be coming to you from Book Riot Live. Yeah, live, sort of, ish. It'll, It'll be live rec- to tape. Yes, I'll, I'll have recorded it sitting on your lap. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah, I hope the people don't mind if we spoon through the whole recording. <laughs> I'm so excited. Me too. I can't wait to see your face. I can't wait to meet our listeners and hang out with the readers that we know on Twitter and from uh, Book Riot's website and, you know, all the other community stuff and actually have some face-to-face time. It's going to be so, so, so good. So many of our contributors that we've never met are going to be there. It's crazy how much we all work together and how much we talk all the time and how many of them we've never actually met in person. I think it's just going to be awesome. Uh, If you're listening to this and you are in or near New York, which is probably the only chance at this point, and you're thinking maybe you're going to come to Book Riot Live. It is Saturday and Sunday, November 7th and 8th, so it is this weekend after you hear the show. It's at the Metropolitan West, which is in New York City, and you can come for both days uh, using the discount code MORECATS, M-O-R-E-C-A-T-S, all one word, to save $20 on your registration. Or if you just want to come for one day, uh, you want to check out the schedule, that's at bookriotlive.com. Pick the day you're going to come. You can get a one-day ticket for $89. So lots of options. We do have some tickets left. They're going to be great events. We're going to be there. We would love to meet you. Uh, It'll be easy to find us because we both have pink hair. And uh, yeah, after and that'll also be our last like normal show of the year. Yes. Yes. Publishing does weird things towards the end of the year. And by weird, I mean, there's not a whole lot going on. Yeah, we've had these big bonanza weeks the last couple of weeks where we've been like fighting over who's going to get which title. And it's definitely wrapping up. So we'll do new books of the week uh, for the November 10th show. And then we're going to do some special stuff around the holidays and do some best books of the year shows uh, divided into different themes through December. And you'll also get a 2016 preview show. Um, So we'll be talking about lots of books. They just won't necessarily be new releases. Uh, If you have like if you happen to have any thoughts or ideas about stuff you'd like to hear about let us know we're open uh, to that too and it'll be fun like as much as I love uh, doing new releases I'm also I have to be honest looking forward to having six weeks of unprogrammed reading (laughs) and I'll still be doing new releases in our newsletter oh right right release newsletter every week so yeah that'll be going on I have to ask you did you get to the witches that was the book you were planning on reading I didn't all my reading parts are broken and I've been (laughs) over the weekend I was puppy sitting uh and so I read nothing but I did succeed in watching 12 hours of the good wife in one day (laughs) 
Wow. Nice job. <laughs> Thank you. I was just thinking of you this morning because I was sweeping and like my brain just keeps going back to the witches. It's such a fantastic book. And there's a part where she mentions how people used to believe if you carved a cross into your broom, it would keep hmm. witches from taking it to use to like fly off. It's kind of like Lojack for witches. Wow. And I, and I was like, I wonder if Rebecca finished that book. I will let you know when I read it. That's on my going to read in the last six weeks of the year list for sure. Yeah. Uh, you want to kick us off this week? Yes. Nice and easy. I'm, I'm taking it nice and easy today. Uh, I'm going to start with a mid-grade novel that I read. Um, I don't usually read reviews of books before I read them because I find it spoils too much for me or like kind of clouds my judgment Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes. Yeah, I do the same. So I like to go and read the reviews after, and I would say that the adjective most often used in all the reviews I read of this book was cute. Mm. This book is super cute. It's called The Girl Who Could Not Dream by Sarah Beth Durst, and like I said, it's a mid-grade novel, but it's really cute and fun. It's perfect for kids, you know, between like 8 and 12, or maybe even a little bit younger if you want to read it with them. Um, it's about a girl named Sophie, and her parents own a bookstore, so like right there, best book ever, right? Already. <laughs> But they also own a secret dream store underneath Ooh. the bookstore. Okay, now is, I'm listening. Yeah. So what they do is they have nets and they catch dreams. It's very like BFG. Did you ever read the BFG? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they, they catch dreams and they keep them in jars and they like polish them up and put them through machines and they sell them. But you have to like be in the know to get to these dreams. Um, and so the thing about Sophie is that she herself cannot dream. She's never had a dream. So this one day, she sneaks into the dream store, and she steals a dream out of a jar, and she drinks it, because they're in liquid form. They probably have capsules, too, but this is in liquid form. And she has this dream where there's a monster in a closet, and then under the bed, and she's not afraid, because she knows it's a dream. And when she wakes up, the monster is in her room with her. What? Yeah. And he's, like, this adorable, like, many-teeth, talking, tentacled cat thing. He's adorable, and his name is Monster, and she convinces her parents to let her keep him. Um, and they, that's when they realize that she has this special ability to make dreams become a reality. Like, she can, she can bring things back with her. Um, so her parents, like, make her promise not to tell anybody that she has a monster, uh, even though, like, he likes to eat hamsters and cupcakes. Um, he's super cute. He's the best part of the book, for sure. Um, and they make her, t- you know, promise not to, to do it again, and... You know, the stuff. So, so they go along, and she's growing up, and she has Monster, and, like, he has many tentacles, so he's really good at shelving. Like, he helps in the bookstore. <laughs> oh, my God. I um, want this to be a graphic novel. Yeah, it's so cute. See? Cute. Um, and she, it's, her, like, the eve of her 12th birthday, and her parents are kidnapped. No. Yes, there's a creepy man that comes to the house, and uh, her parents go missing. And so now she has to find them. She has to figure out, like, who she can trust, like, who she can tell about the dream story, the things she knows about dreams. And she pairs up with this boy from school that she knows who suffers from terrible nightmares. Um, And they go in search of her parents and then some other kids who go missing. And uh, Monster helps. He comes along. So his name, Monster's name is Monster. So, Mm -hmm. um, and again, like I mentioned, he's a super wisecrack. He can talk. He can also talk. Um, well, so, obviously, so he when has, your yeah. dream monster comes to life, it yeah. talks. So he has, like, the best lines. <laughs> um, and it's just so adorable, and I was so happy to read this because everything that I've been reading lately is so dark. And I was just like, ah, oh, monster. So, again, that is called The Girl Who Could Not Dream by Sarah Beth Durst. That sounds so cute. There's See? the word again. You, you um, can't do it without saying that word. Did you ever read St. Lucy's Home for Girls Raised by Wolves, the Karen Russell short stories? I have not. 
Well, you know right? how I love a short story collection. Mm-hmm. There's one of those is set at a camp, a summer camp for kids with sleeping disorders. And I'm pretty sure that one of the kids can't dream. But there's other like weird sleeping disorders. And then there are imaginary sleeping disorders. This sounds like the kids version of that kind of. Awesome. <laughs> it's great. Okay, before I do what? my first. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, what have you got for us? But Oh, I have our first sponsor. Oh. Well, our second sponsor, technically, this week. Um, or no, you have this one. Yeah, you, you keep trying to steal it, but that's okay I do. if you want to do I it. I do. No, you can do it. <laughs> I... All right. Our I'm, I'm just second... in bossy mode. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's all right. Our second sponsor of the week is Penguin Random House Audio. They are back again. Thanks for that. Uh, They want to tell you about book clubs. Book clubs are a great excuse to get together with friends on a regular basis and enjoy each other's company, opinions, and conversations. Listening to the audiobook can help provide another dimension to the conversation, as well as help book club members who don't necessarily have time to read still manage to participate. Uh, This month, they are all about travel and great books to listen to for traveling because we have Thanksgiving coming up. Lots of people travel. Um, If you go to their website, which is... PenguinRandomHouseAudio.com slash book club. They have some great suggestions such as Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, uh, The Girl in the Spider's Web, which is a continuation of The Girl in the Dragon Tattoo books, The Admissions by Meg Mitchell Moore, uh, We Never Asked for Wings, The Little Paris Bookshop, Pirate Hunters, which I read and loved, we talked about before, mm-hmm. uh, In the Unlikely Event, which is the new Judy Bloom, and Dead Wake, which is Eric Larson. Um, they also have some more suggestions if you go to www.tryaudiobooks.com slash family.php. You can take a quiz to find out who would narrate your memoir. Oh, fun. Yeah, I would probably get, like, Pee Wee Herman, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, Pee Wee Herman. I would want, like, Julianne Moore or maybe Anna Kendrick. Or oh, maybe yeah. if Julianne Moore and Anna Kendrick had a love child and that <laughs> love child could narrate my memoir, that would be aces. Yeah. They also have uh, some great family activities that are guaranteed to make a long trip a lot more fun. So again, if you want to check that out, it is penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash book club. And we thank them for sponsoring the show. Indeed we do. And now I will take my turn at the appropriate time and (laughs) talk about books. This is like the thing that my teachers always wrote on my uh, report cards when I was a kid, too. Rebecca's always trying to tell the other kids what to do. So at least I, you know, (laughs) I'm consistent. (laughs) Yeah, no one is surprised. That's like the least surprising personal revelation I have probably ever made. Uh, My first pick this week is The Heart You Carry Home by Jennifer Miller. Ah, such a good novel. And I really like her writing. And it's a paperback original. And this would also be good for your book club, by the way. Uh, This is about a young woman named Becca. She's 21. She is very newly married uh, to her longtime boyfriend who served two tours of duty in Iraq. And after his second tour, things are just not the same. Uh, They've only been married for about four weeks when he turns dangerous. He beats her one night and she flees to her father's house. Her father is a, Viet- is a Vietnam veteran who uh, has also suffered PTSD um, from his experiences in war. So these two men, her husband and her father, both have lives that have really been defined by their experiences um, with war. 
after she flees to her dad's house, she finds herself sort of tagging along slash being taken along on a cross country motorcycle trip where his father, her father and uh, some of his friends who are all in a biker gang together. They're all veterans. They're all in this, you know, biker group, not like Hell's Angels gang, but just like a group of men who get on motorcycles and go places together um, to see their old commanding officer who lives out in the middle of nowhere in Utah um, and has this like commune kind of land area where he quote unquote helps men, uh, other veterans recover from their trauma. But he's kind of a creepy cult leader figure. Like some of the men say that their lives are changed, but there's also some really strange stuff happening. And Becca thinks that her dad is really at risk um, from what is supposedly going to happen when they all get out there to the old commanding officer's land. So she is trying to figure out what she really wants and what to do about her husband. Can her marriage be saved and what she can do for herself while also trying to help these two men that she loves fight themselves free from their own demons. Um, So it's about family. It's about war and trauma and love. Um, Jennifer Miller was inspired to write this book when she was interviewing veterans and doing extensive reporting on their experiences And she also did a cross-country motorcycle trip sort of as an embedded reporter uh, with a group of veterans that uh, that experience lent to the inspiration of the novel. So uh, you, it, I was really kind of bowled over. I, I didn't know that going into the book. And I was kind of like, what? And Miller is about our age. She's a young woman. And I was like, what is this young? How is, how is this going to work? Like a young woman writing about um, really difficult, very personal experiences um, related to PTSD and war. But she did so much research. It's so thorough. You know that Jennifer Miller knows of what she speaks. The book is really, really excellent. It's full of heart. Um, I I was very impressed. I really enjoyed it. And uh, that's The Heart You Carry Home. It reminds me of, uh, what's it called? We Are Called to Rise oh, by I Laura McBride. It's, a, it's another novel dealing with PTSD. That oh, was cool. really good that I got to read. Um, speaking of really good books that I got to read, I got to read. <laughs> like, I was allowed. Like, you can have this one, but not these. You, Liberty, you may read this book. <laughs> yes. Uh, my next pick is Twain and Stanley Enter Paradise by Oscar Huelos, um, who I have never read before, I am ashamed to say. I know I shouldn't be ashamed, but I am. Um, he is most famous for the Mambo Kings play Songs of Love, which mm-hmm. won the Pulitzer many years ago. And this is another Mark Twain-centric book. Remember a few weeks ago I was talking about Twain's end? This is You had also- Twain and I had North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is another Mark Twain book. Uh, It is based on the true story of the 37-year friendship between the famed writer and humorist Mark Twain and legendary explorer Sir Henry Morton Stanley in the late 19th century. Um, I I kind of knew the name Henry Morton Stanley, but Mm -hmm. just, you know, in passing, I I couldn't tell you who he was. Um, You know, everyone knows Mark Twain, though. But back in the time of where this book is set, they were equally as famous, like one in America and one in England. Um, uh, Henry Morton Stanley was extremely famous explorer, and if you don't know his name, you might recognize his most famous sentence, most likely, uh, Dr. Livingston, I presume. Mm-hmm. He is the man who went in search of uh, David Livingston and uh, uttered those famous words. So he was a very, um, did you ever read Lost City of Z? Yes. Yeah, so he's a very like Percy Fawcett kind of character, mm-hmm. but more on the journalistic side of things. Um, he was also married to the famous painter Dorothy Tennant. And uh, Huelos imagines these conversations between Twain and Tennant uh, as she paints his portrait, which they play a big part in the story. Um, And there's also this sort of complicated love triangle between the three of them. 
Um, it was also Tennant who brought Twain and his wife to visit a psychic medium after the death of their young daughter and introduced his wife to seances and spiritualism and all that stuff, which Twain wasn't really into, but his wife really was. Um, Stanley and Twain themselves were very similar. They both began their careers as humble journalists in the American West, checking things out there. Um, they were both very vocal objectors to slavery, although Stanley was the subject of much ire later when he went on these expeditions in Africa that people really didn't approve of. Um, this is just a really remarkable novel. It's drawn on letters and biographies and the memoirs of these men. And sadly, it is Huelo's last book. Um, for some reason, I always feel really sad when I read a book written by somebody that was released posthumously. Mm. You know, like if I'm reading a book by someone who has already passed away, you know, and it came out before they did, like it doesn't affect me. But I'm like, oh, this came out after they died. It's so sad. Uh, he did die in 2013. So this is his last. And I could be making this up. It's a good chance. You know, I do. <laughs> I do have a lot of issues. But um, <laughs> I thought that I read somewhere that his wife found this manuscript like in his desk drawer or something after he died. Or That's that, believable. Like, he had started plans to publish it, but then they got put on hold and then she found it and completed it i'm not entirely certain but i think that's i think that's true anyway we can fact check <laughs> yeah amazing book again it's called twain and stanley enter paradise by oscar huelos so speaking of amazing books uh, i'm gonna do a backlist bump and uh it's related to my first pick, but we're going to do some some of those on this show because as we said at the top publishing has sort of slowed down um for this season. So where we don't have new books, we're going to talk about old books that we love and hope that you like that too. Yeah, and I so, needed to save a few for the newsletter too. Yeah, yeah, right. Because you have to do the newsletter. Those that like it is called the new books newsletter. We have a little <laughs> more freedom here to uh, to decide what all the books actually means. Uh, so I want to talk about Matterhorn by Carl Marlantes. Um, one of the things that got my attention when The Heart You Carry Home showed up on my doorstep was that he had blurbed it and I was like, okay, he wrote perhaps my favorite war novel ever. Ever. Uh, I trust Carl Marlantes to tell me that this is another war novel that I should read. And it reminded me so much of how much I had loved Matterhorn. Um, Matterhorn is a huge novel. It's about 700 pages long. It's so worth every single page. Uh, it's about a young Marine lieutenant and his company that are dropped into the Vietnam jungle in the middle of the war. They are so young. They're 18. They're the age of the young men uh, and women who we send overseas to fight our wars. And we are reminded of that, uh, of how young these people are and exactly how high the stakes are on every page. Uh, Marlantes himself is a Vietnam veteran. This book was decades in the making. He wrote it uh, in the late 70s and then tried multiple times to get it published. And thank goodness that uh, Grove Atlantic picked it up several years ago and finally published it in the form that Marlantes was most proud of. It deals with politics of the military. It deals with how decisions are made. You get to see not just the young lieutenant, but we see into conversations with the commanding officers, into moments that they have with, uh, with other colleagues, with people higher up, we find out about like who decides which uh, soldiers get medals and what the politics of that are and the paperwork that goes into it and people getting medals for perhaps things that they didn't actually do, all sorts of stuff. Um, and what it really means to serve one's country, what is really involved, what, what we're really asking of people when we ask them to serve or when they sign up to serve. Um, it's it is unflinching. Uh, you can feel the sadness. You can feel the anger. You can feel Marlantes's awe of what uh, his experience was and what young soldiers do uh, in wars all over the world every day. It's so authentic. Um, and 
This is a fun little Easter egg about Matterhorn. Um, Carl Morlantes was in Richmond several years ago for a writer's conference that I helped organize, and I got to be his driver for the weekend, and it, that was awesome, and he is very lovely. Um, and he was telling me that one of the things that he didn't really make a big deal of in the book, but that is present there, is that um, there is a scene... There are scenes throughout the book that represent each of the sacraments of religion. Um, one of the scenes that stands out to me most, and I think that's how we got into talking about it, was um, I woke my husband up crying when I was reading it because there's this moment um, where a young man, I'm not spoiling anything, a young man is dying and they lay him down uh, in a stream to try to cool him off. He has a really high fever. And he said, well, that's the baptism scene. And uh, I was like, what? Uh, and so there is a scene for each of the sacraments, the Christian sacraments through the book. Um, and that was a total surprise to me. The book doesn't have a religious element, but there's so much thought into the story that he tells and how it's structured. Um, that blew my mind. So if you read it now, you can look for all of the sacraments. And if you're looking for a shorter nonfiction book, um, he also wrote a book, I think a few years after Matterhorn came out, called What It Is Like to Go to War, that is um, part memoir part polemic about um, really how we are failing our soldiers after they come home from that experience and uh, what we as a society owe to the people who fight for us. Um, a, another really remarkable and incredible book. So the novel is Matterhorn. The nonfiction is what it is like to go to war. And the author is Carl Marlantes. And I love him very much. I do too. We had the privilege of having him at the store uh, where I used to work. And he was just amazing, and I could have listened to him talk all day. Oh, he's the nicest man. He really and so is. fascinating. I remember, like, distinctly um, getting ready to go pick him up. He was supposed to, like, get to the hotel before the conference, and I was going to go pick him up and drive him to the opening night party. And he uh, texted me, the eagle has landed. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what is my life right now? That's awesome. It was so great. Fantastic. What's next on your list? My next book is a reissue. It is a 50th anniversary edition. Um, I'm very excited because I'm hoping that in talking about this book, I will uh, introduce it to a bunch of new readers because everyone should read this book. And it's so incredible. It's called Stoner by John Williams. Oh, it's so good. It's one of those books. Like It's it's possibly the greatest novel of the 20th century, like, in, in the top ten. And yet so few people still know about it, and, like, a gazillion more people know about it now than they did ten years ago. Um, it's just this incredible book. Uh, many, many years ago, like a decade or so ago, I went to see Steve Allman talk, and somebody asked him, what's your favorite book? And he said, oh, well, it's this book called Stoner, but it's not in print anymore. Um, so I immediately ran out and looked it up, and it wasn't in print at the time, and I got a used copy, and I read it. I was like, oh, my God, that was amazing. <laughs> and then, like, the next year, um, the New York Review Books, uh, New York Review of Books Classics, I can't, I can never say it right, um, they reissued it, and it, it was in print, so we started hand-selling it at the bookstore, like, a ton. Um, and then a few years ago, uh, the Guardian asked Ian McEwen of Atonement mm -hmm. fame what his favorite book was, and he said Stoner by John Williams. And then Waterstones uh, made it their like book of the month or book of the year or something, and everybody was reading it over there. I read something that said that at one point they were selling one copy every minute in England. Whoa, what? Just for like a few days. They were like, <laughs> that's how many copies they were selling. So people were like, what is this book that everyone keeps calling the greatest book they've ever read? Um, and now it is the 50th anniversary of its release, and um, NYRB has a new edition coming out, and it is just this amazing book. 
And it's so funny because when you describe it, it doesn't sound exciting at all, but it'll like change your life. It's incredible. It really will. Yeah. So it's about this young man, and his name is Stoner. His last name is Stoner. It's not his first name. Um, he grows up on a farm. He's very simple life with his farmer parents. And he goes off to college to study farming. And instead, he gets this taste of Shakespeare and decides that he wants to, to work in the arts. He wants to be a teacher, and he wants to be a writer, and he doesn't want to do farming, and his parents are very dismayed about this. Um, but he becomes this professor, and he teaches school, and the students really, really admire him. Um, he has this kind of unhappy marriage. Like, his wife is not that great, but he loves his job. Then through some tricky office politics and some terribleness, he kind of gets demoted, um, and he has this love affair that's, he's just, it's, it's beautiful. This book is amazing. I feel like I just gave the whole thing away, but I don't think I did. <laughs> it's, well, it's one of those novels that captures a character's whole life. Yeah. And that's so difficult to do and even more difficult to do well. And so like you only gave away a few of the points because <laughs> so many yeah. things happened to him, but it's very much like the extraordinariness of an ordinary person. That was, that's basically what I was just going to say. I was going to say it's, it's like a book. It's like this book about this one man's unremarkable life. And it's one of the most remarkable books ever written. And it's yeah, like I, almost impossible to explain why that is. I think if you like the quietness of uh, like Gilead and Marilyn Robinson, Stoner is right up your alley. Well, my next thing was that if you have read Stoner and you're a big fan, you know, awesome. High five. But also um, another book that you might want to check out is called So Long, See You Tomorrow by William Maxwell. Um, it's a very, it reminds me a lot of that book, which I also really, really loved. It won the National Book Award in the 80s. Um, that's another great book. So lots of love for Stoner. I hope that everyone picks it up and reads it because it's amazing. And again, it is by John Williams. Awesome. Uh, I have our next sponsor, and it's actually my turn. <laughs> so I'm here we gonna, go. No. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. I sort of see what happened if I said no. Um, I guess I'll stop. <laughs> FabFitFun is back this week. We are so glad to have them as a sponsor. Um, FabFitFun is a subscription box with premium full-size fashion, beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. This is not about paying $15 for someone to send you trial sizes of lipstick and lotion. Uh, full-size awesome products. The box comes out the box comes out once each season. It retails for 49.99 and always has a value of over $200. So you're definitely going to get the bang for your buck there. Um, you can get $10 off your first box if you use the code all the books and you can register at fabfitfun.com so that you can start getting awesome stuff once every season in the mail. Uh, they do fashion stuff. They do beauty like lip gloss, nail wraps, uh, there's fitness, there's stuff like a Pilates DVD or an exercise band, and then just general lifestyle products like the uh, the fall box, which I received as a sample and I really liked it. Um, it has this cute umbrella, this like little blue umbrella that fits perfectly in my purse and has a gorgeous little white font that says rain, rain, go away all over it. It's just adorable. Um, there were some face masks. There was a thing to do, uh, a thing where you convert a picture that you've taken onto a canvas, which is a great thing to have for the fall and was worth like $75 just for it. Um, 
um, skin stuff, lip stuff, cosmetics. There was a cool portable phone charger that works for both Android and iPhone. So uh, I think you're going to be happy with it uh, if you are into the subscription box thing, if you're willing to, you know, sort of take a risk and let them send you a box of surprise goodies. I always think that's really fun. Like, it's, I think subscription boxes are kind of like anthologies of in the book analogy. Like you're going to get a bunch of things. You might not love all of them, but you're going to love enough of them and enough of them will introduce you to new things uh, that you'll continue to use that it's totally worth it. Um, so go to fabfitfun.com to get more information and use the code all the books to save $10 on your first box. That lets them know that uh, we sent you and hopefully they can continue sponsoring and helping us keep the lights on here. Every time you say full-size makeup, I always think of, like, trick-or-treating and going to the houses that have the full-size candy uh-huh. instead of the mini Snickers. Everybody wants the full-size, man. And it's it's that time of year right now. Cause it is. Because we're recording this on Halloween. It would so. also be, like, if you're stuck on a Christmas gift for someone, a FabFitFun subscription would be great. Uh, so my next book, because somehow I still have two books to talk about, and we've been on here for almost half an hour. I don't know what's happening. Uh, <laughs> um, is by It's by the book. We like each other. Uh, by the book, Writers on Literature and Literary Life from the New York Times Book Review. This was edited by Pamela Paul and Scott Turow. Uh, this is, I think, the only feature I consistently read from the New York Times Book Review. Every Sunday, there is an interview with a different writer about, it's basically the literary version of inside the actor's studio like they have a, a set set of questions that they ask the author about their favorite books and the reading life and you know what's going on in the world of books and reading now and they're so interesting it's a great place to sort of get insight into what the readers that are what the writers that you like are reading um, and often you know when celebrities have memoirs that like I think there was one with Mindy Kaling um, so you get a peek into that person's reading life like what they're like as a reader and not just as an actor or a musician um, it's a really fun, smart feature. I wish that we had come up with it first uh, at Book Riot. This book, by the book, uh, includes 65 of the best of the Sunday feature. It, it has the full uncut interviews, so you can get all kinds of info um, and a great variety of people that are included in those 65. It's beautifully designed. Uh, this is the season of beautifully designed like coffee table gifty books, and by the book is a perfect example of that. It would look gorgeous on your coffee table or your bookshelf. It would be a good gift for a reader. If you're into the book review or you look forward to those by the book uh, interviews, you're definitely going to want to take a look at it. I thought it was really cool. Uh, and you could probably like design a reading challenge out of this, you know, like read one book Ooh. from each person's, uh, from each featured author's by the book or something like that. Uh, so that's by the book Writers on Literature and Literary Life from the New York Times Book Review by Pamela Paul and Scott Turow. I'm going to sneak in one more. Uh, this is going to be a backlist bump for sure. Um, as I've probably mentioned before, I am an NYRB fangirl. I do love all their books. I don't think I've ever read one that I didn't like. Uh, and so I want to tell you about another NYRB classic that I absolutely adore. This one is a bit more esoteric than Stoner, so it's not for everyone. If you don't like weird, this is not the book for you. <laughs> but it's so amazing. It's called Zeroville by Steve Erickson. Um, it came out in the 90s, I think, maybe at the beginning of, of this century, but it's so wonderful. Um, it also has one of my two favorite endings ever in a book, like jumping up and down on my bed, freaking out, like, oh my goodness, what just happened? Amazing. Um, the other being The Teleportation Accident by Ned Bowman, which is incredible, which we should definitely talk about another time. But anyway, getting back to Zeroville, 
Uh, it takes place, uh, it starts on the same August day in 1969 that the Manson family kills all those people in the hills in Los Angeles. Um, there's a young excommunicated seminarian who arrives in Hollywood with the image of Elizabeth Taylor and Montgomery Clift tattooed on the side of his head. Oh. Yeah. And then, like, it, people keep asking me about a tattoo, and it always makes me think of, that's Montgomery Clift, honey, which is a very famous line in a Clash song. Anyway, moving on from that, um, <laughs> his name is Vicar, and he's sort of this, like, weird, dangerous character. Um, he is experiencing things for the first time, like the music and drugs and sex, and he's kind of creepy, violent, but almost also childlike. In his ways, and he's completely obsessed with films, like, completely obsessed. Um, hence the tattoo of Elizabeth Taylor and Montgomery <laughs> Clift on his head. Um, but he's in Hollywood, so people love him there, because the weirder, the better. You know, like, groovy baby, he's amazing to everybody, because he's so strange. Um, and the book follows him through the 70s and 80s as he chases his abnormal passion for film. Um, and he encounters directors and starlets, he gets mixed up with criminals and gorillas, uh, the people and not the animals. <laughs> and it culminates in just the most amazing ending that will just melt your brain in your head. It's so awesome. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about it because I don't want to give anything else away. But again, it is called Zeroville by Steve Erickson. Whew. All right. Home stretch. <laughs> <laughs> My last pick, I should have done this higher up when we were talking about um, posthumous publications because this yes. one was as well. Uh, Skylight by Jose Saramago came out last year for the first time, even though he finished writing it in 1953. Like just nothing ever happened with it. So it was first published last year. Saramago, you probably recognize his name. He was the Nobel um, Prize winner for literature. He died in 2010, uh, perhaps best known for blindness, which I just read for the first time last year and it bowled me over so so good bowled me over is my phrase of the day by the way um, <laughs> I'm sorry that so many of you playing the all the books drinking game are probably just completely tanked by now uh, so it's set in Lisbon in the 1940s and uh, it's about the connected lives of people who all live in the same apartment building it felt kind of like a precursor to elegance of the hedgehog <laughs> to me in that way um, but only in the setup um, the writing is as lovely as you would expect it's really interesting to see one of the earlier works by a novelist who was so important in the 20th century, who won the Nobel Prize, and to see this entry uh, into his you know, body of work that had not seen the light of day before. There's a happy family, there's a miserable family, there are the, you know, it's like these are the people in your neighborhood. <laughs> um, but uh, in a really thoughtful and well-connected uh, presentation. I read it about a year ago um, when it when it came out. It was one of our picks for the Riot Read when we had the, uh, I think it ran for six months where we picked a different book every month to do sort of a book club thing around and everybody really loved it. So if you uh, are into Saramago and you want to you know get a glimpse into what his earlier work would have been like if it had been out, uh, you can pick up Skylight in paperback now. And that's my last pick this week. So what are you going to go read? Uh, I'm going to read a book called The Deep Sea Diver Syndrome by Sergei Busolo. I think I'm saying that correctly. It just arrived in the mail about two hours ago. It is from Melville House. You know how much I love them. Mm -hmm. um, it says it is the most visionary neo-noir thriller since Blade Runner. A okay. French J.G. Ballard impeccably distilled stylized nightmares. So, yeah, that's all I really know about it. But all I need to know is that Melville House sent it to me. So I will read everything that they give me. That sounds awesome. What do you got? Uh, <laughs> I have a pile <laughs> of books, but I'm probably going to go watch 12 more hours of The Good Wife. I've been, I've been ingesting all of the X-Files. 
Oh man, those are good. We're, we've been stuck on like season seven forever in my house. I've never, I've never watched past season six, so I'm going to go all the way this time, I think. Nice. But uh, I yeah, have not I seen The Good Wife. I don't think I'm even going to front. I don't think I'm going to read today. It's going to be like all while we're getting ready for Book Riot Live, my brain just can't do words. So it's TV and sometimes that's just life. Uh, that is our show. Thank you to our sponsors, A Blossom of Bright Light, Penguin Random House Audio and FabFitFun for sponsoring. We'll have links to all of them in the show notes. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Please come see us at Book Riot Live next week. We want to wave at you and give you high fives and hugs, whatever, you know, yes, you're hello down for. to all you people now. <laughs> uh, and if you have a minute to rate or review the show on iTunes, it lets us know how we're doing. And more importantly, it helps other readers who love books to find the show and put us in their ears, which is always really fun. You can talk to me on Twitter at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y, and Liberty is at Miss Liberty. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find the link to our weekly new books newsletter, which I will continue to update through the end of the year and beyond, I think. you know. Yes. But <laughs> new books news all year, 24-7. <laughs> all the books, all the time. Happy reading, Liv. I'll see you next week. Yes, I'll see you next week. Happy reading. <laughs> Bye. Bye.